Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, if you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win money today, whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the next championship. BetOnline has all the odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. Very excited to bring this guest on today. And he's just coming back from the Tokyo Olympics as we were talking in the pre-pod. So I'm excited to talk to him about that. He is mental coach Brian Alexander. Brian, thank you so much for being on the pod. How are you today? I'm great, Joey. Thanks for having me. Let's dive right in. You just got back from Tokyo. You know, just first blush. What are your general thoughts of the Olympics? Yeah, well, it's the Olympic Games, right? So it's an exciting sporting event. There's people from all over the world competing at the highest level in their sport. And it's a dream come true for a lot of these people competing in their sports. So that was really exciting. Um, COVID put a spin on things for sure. Uh, with all the different protocols and there weren't any fans in the audience in any of the events, but um, it was still exciting. And all you see all the results and all the, you know, successful and even non-successful, just happy athletes. It was a lot of fun. I do want to ask you a question about the Olympics, but we'll get to that in a second. I do want to ask you a lot of our listeners just really enjoy kind of hearing a little bit of the journey of when our guests come on to the places that they started from to the places that they are now. So can you give the listeners just a little bit of your background of just your upbringing? You know, maybe you were involved in athletics for a while, moved over to the mental side. Just talk about your journey from going to that to now what you're doing today um, all across the world, it seems like. Yeah, sure. So I was an athlete growing up and I ended up playing water polo um, through high school, college. I went to UC Santa Barbara. And then I started trying out for different levels of the USA water polo national teams and then made it to our senior national team, which becomes the Olympic team every four years. I didn't actually get selected for the Olympic Games, even though I played in four world championships, Pan American Games qualified, did everything. But in 2008 and 2012, I was the last player not selected for the final roster. So, um, got to play at the highest level of sport and you know now it's full circle for me right working with the usa men's water polo team in the olympics but um but yeah that was my athletic background and then i i got interested in sports psychology through that experience and working with some professionals from the u.s olympic committee and then after i finished i eventually went back to graduate school and then earned a degree got certified and created my own practice and here i am yeah, now you're working on the mental side of sports. Just real quick, a follow-up on that. How often do you take your personal experience of that razor-thin margin of on-roster, not on-roster, how often do you bring that into your practice when you're talking and dealing with athletes? I do it when, it, when I think it's going to benefit the athlete because there's a fine line, and it's you know an ethical standard that we have in the profession, but it's very important to be able to make the emphasis on their experience rather than my experience. So 
in reality, working with water polo athletes is probably the most challenging because I know too much about the sport, which sounds weird, but, but, uh, trying to stay in my lane plus, you know, make it about them rather than about me is, is, uh, it's part of the art of it. You could take that angle. I'm just saying, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying at the same time, in terms of the Tokyo Olympics, can you speak on a little bit, you know, I don't want to get into specifics because I think there's one specific issue with one very famous specific athlete that everyone's talking about. But as we move forward now from a broad angle, what do you think, do you think we've made a certain amount of progress with the mental health of athletes, them publicly speaking about it? And are we kind of seeing a little bit of a revolution of just how we as fans have to maybe create empathy and sympathy for these athletes that are now speaking out? Yeah, it's... um one, I, I think an athlete's voice is very important, right? Because we lose track of the fact that they're people first and athletes second. And when you're pursuing excellence in your sport, there's a lot of people that want to jump on the bandwagon. They really, they just want to see you win the gold medal, right? So the emphasis is all on winning rather than understanding what it really takes to win. And when you see a high level athlete who has a lot of success in their sport, you just start to expect, oh, everything's easy and great for them. And we know that they have to work hard, but it's just, you know, at this point, it's just part of their makeup, right? They're going to win automatically. But, but when athletes tell, tell you the reality of what they're experiencing as people, it usually is pretty eye opening, and sometimes it's pretty hard to believe. And so um, I think that's a big part of it, a big starting point. I don't want to be glib or broad about this next question either, but are we sort of maybe kind of unpacking a little bit the concept of, you know, when I was growing up athletically, if you weren't doing 110% or, you know what I mean, if you weren't giving your all, if you weren't sacrificing every ounce of, uh, you know, towards the competitive nature of your sport, then you weren't doing it correctly. But I think we're starting to learn that there are maybe some parameters that we need to also safeguard to make sure that we stay mentally strong. How do you think that that is kind of, do you think that's kind of a process that's going through right now or, or through the athlete's experience? Sometimes you really do have to challenge yourself and there can be some, some moments along the way that can be a little bit more difficult to handle. The challenge is where the reward is right um but being able to go through it and get through it with the right support that you need is it takes bravery right i think that's what you're seeing from a lot of these people is they're being brave enough to say look i'm i'm not as okay as you think i am right that saying it's okay to not be okay um is is really important and empowering for them to sort of face their challenges head on and realize that they can't do it alone um, one of my mentors is, and I worked there after I finished playing with uh, Ken Blanchard. I worked for his company and um, he always said it takes a village, right? Everything takes a village. And it's so true. I mean, all these athletes that we see have a support team that it's just a long line of people that have really helped them get to the place where they've, they've gotten. And um, some of them, when they rise at different levels, start to feel like it's pretty hard to truly connect with other people that get me Mm. because when you get to that level, right, there's very few other people that have gotten to that level or truly understand it. Right. So that trust factor is so important in really being able to seek out the support that you need. And so by them being brave enough to sort of share their, their vulnerable side, 
is the first step in saying, look, like I can't do it all alone. It does take more than just myself. Is it fair to say that that was a major factor in your opinion in the Olympics, just some of these athletes not having that support system around them? Yeah, and some of them did, right? And it was still, there's still, you oh. know, struggle. Yeah. yeah. So um, the USOPC, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, hired a team of, I think, six professionals before this Olympics on, they're all mental health clinicians. So there was a strong push by the Olympic committee before these games to, to sort of set up a support network for the athletes. But, um, it, it's still, I mean, it's a real thing. So now we're just kind of making everybody else aware that it's, it's happening without them knowing it. Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor here on bet on Chicago balance seven. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but apparently former NBA player, Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was recently reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called balance seven. And that has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015 quote Lamar Odom. I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up and I couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight, Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Now here's the cool thing. We've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now where if you go to their website, balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say you're getting a pretty good deal right there. So what are you waiting for? Head to balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, and get in on this promotion while supplies last i know i will and if it worked on him it can also work for you too balance7.com now back to the pod what well, got a couple more topics here for you brian alexander uh mental coach here talking with him just coming back from the tokyo olympics the first one i want to ask you is this is kind of a pet topic that i've kind of i've had other sports psychologists on this pod before and i just enjoy really asking this topic to professionals and i'm just kind of curious about your thoughts of um, I've been thinking about about the importance of youth sports. And now this isn't to say that I think that every child needs to play sports and be an athlete because I find that to be ridiculous. Um, I, I'm, I grew up in the comedy and acting world, and there's actually a lot of my friends who dis, have disdain for sports, who can't even watch it. And I completely understand that. But can you talk a little bit just from your perspective and what you've learned about how youth sports imprint on a child at a very young age, whether that is positive or negative, because sometimes that negative can maybe inform that child to be, I don't know, more of an expressionist, more of an individual going a different direction. What kind of role do you think that youth sports plays on a child? I think it's such an important role because it's their, their first exposure to what it truly means to play. Right. But you know, some, organizations and coaches can make a huge impact on these children's lives and impact their level of enjoyment and passion around the sport and the area. Um, but I think it depends, you know, there's stages of development that really get exposed through different sports experiences. And so um, being able to kind of have that innovation and creativity and movement through space with your body and competing learning what it means to compete eventually is is a big piece of it but the coach and the parents too have a huge role in that and really i mean helping them understand how to 
how to grow through lo losing, right? And understand mm -hmm. that it's it's not just about yourself, but usually, especially in a team sport, right? It's about how you work with other people in that pursuit of success. And um, there's just a lot of little things that extend out to life, ultimately. And, you know, I always say like, I'm teaching mental skills in, in sport and performance, but the really life skills just translated into the language of your sport. So you're learning a lot of that along the way, but most importantly, I think it's just the idea of play and then learning how to compete and then learning how to really, um, you know, pursue excellence if you really want it to, right? Because eventually I think being, being young is great to explore a lot of different sports. And you probably hear that from a lot of high level athletes is like, they didn't just play their sport all through their childhood, they did a lot of things. And then specializing later is, is really important to sort of understand what are you truly passionate about and what do you love doing the most? Yeah, everything from collaboration to structure to defined achievement. And then I talked to a lot of actors and friends that said, you know what, I, I rebelled against that and I found my own different version of achievement, but sports still in a way informed that decision. It's so funny that, you know, I told them all the time, you hate sports, but it kind of... It kind of led you in a different direction because we all get exposed to it. And I like bringing it up because it's – just trying to find similarities uh, in life at this point when a lot of us like to focus a lot on the differences. I think a lot of us get a chance to play sports. You still work – I mean, you know, you're on a college campus right now. Um, you're still working with youth, uh, youth uh, athletes. In terms of mental coach, do you work mostly on the mental side of the competition or do you try and work also – like you said, with life skills, the mental side of when you're not on the court, not in the pool, and not on the field. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's both, and we usually try and take sort of a phased approach to building a foundation of mental what mental skills training is, and providing an introduction through some like mental frameworks, hmm. um, and then helping them specialize and customize it towards their sport or in their team culture. And sometimes we get really clear on identifying what your team culture is all about in terms of like a, a mission statement, which we can also do for individuals. Um, we identify core values and standards of behavior hmm. and then how you set up accountability processes that are conducive to high performance. And um, I think that is a really important part of it. But the most important part is the relationship because it all kind of stems from that working relationship, which is rooted in trust and rapport and just really getting to understand one another. And I end up growing kind of just as much as they are growing through that educational process as well. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. You'd like it you'd like to be a little bit of a two-way street. Uh, I have two topics left for you, Brian Alexander. Uh, the first one is you're, you're very busy with your schedule, so I don't know if you got a chance to see the link that I sent you, so I'm going to try and walk you through it a little bit and the audience as well. There's a story that came out very recently that wasn't covered a lot, and I found it to be very interesting. There's a lot of minor league baseball players suing the Los Angeles Angels right now. I, know, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but basically they're suing Artie Moreno and the team for basically just a, a lack of treatment at the minor league level. They are telling stories about how They've had to have six or seven players live in a one-bedroom apartment at a time. They get paid $1,600 a month while their rent and utilities are $2,000 a month. So they've had to take other jobs after they're playing games just to make ends meet to continue to play the game that they love and hope to advance their skills to the point to get to the major league level. They've talked about stories about how they were instructed to be on 3,500 to 4,000 
calorie diets a day when really they were only being provided by the team 800 to 1200, many of them resorting to McDonald's and Taco Bell and then breaking down because of injury. And some of these players just straight up had to quit. And some of these other players, when they get traded to other organizations like the Cleveland Indians, begin to realize that they actually value some of their younger athletes coming up through the system. And this seems to be a huge issue with the Angels and how they need to revolutionize that. I just kind of wanted to get your take on how important it is. You just talked about culture, environment, you know, uh, the core values of trust between either a coach and an athlete. Just talk about the importance of how we've begun to really look at, like, it isn't about, like, the player riding the bus all night long to the next game. It really is about trying to figure out a way to optimize not just their physical performance, but their mental performance too as well. Yeah, well, first of all, I I didn't get a chance to see that article, but I, I my heart goes out. I mean, that's hard for the athletes, and it's sorry. I'm sorry they feel that way as well towards the organization because <clears throat> I'm pretty sure every organization would strive for the best um, to support their athletes, but sometimes they miss things that is the reality of the lived experience of the athletes. So um, I think that's an important place to come from that, you know, like one of the sayings that I love is that people are operating by the best of, of their intentions, given their current level of awareness. Right. So whether they know it or not, I, I doubt that Art Moreno wanted their players to suffer so much while they had all those expectations. However, it's a lived experience and it's the reality of these people's dreams of making it to the big leagues. And I have a lot of colleagues actually that work with minor league teams in the same um, position that I'm in. And, you know, they're building these high performance cultures to help develop these athletes so that they are on a training program to making it to the big league club. Right. So, um, it makes sense that, you know, you go to some, a lot of other clubs and it's, it's done the right way, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, have the athletes again, having a voice and being able to share things, it should, honestly, it should be able to be, um, brought within house, right. Is like open lines of communication and collaboration. Um, so that's where I would always, if I was working with athletes, right. I would advise them to sort of have those conversations with their coach. I mean, I just had the same one-on-one here right before our call with a athlete here at the university level um, because they're struggling with playing time, for example, and feeling like there's um, unrealistic expectations, but there's not a lot of clarity either. So being able to facilitate those conversations and help people understand that it's okay to actually reach out, you know, one-on-one is a really good starting point. Um, and that's part of the role that I have, you know, in, in supporting them as well. You just mentioned a phrase, which I think leads into my final question, which is a perfect segue. Nice, nice work on our part here with unrealistic expectations without any without any clarity. Um, I ask this question also a lot with some of the other sports psychologists that I meet. I'm asking this to you now because we're, we're looking for your expertise on this one and just your thoughts that you can maybe impart on people. In my opinion, it, the, the obvious factor is that the last year and a half to two years has been difficult on a lot of people. My fear and my worry is that as we're in this present moment now, we're still living in uncertainty. But I also feel like years from now, there may be residual traumas or issues that maybe aren't people are able to recognize or address right away that might be creeping up on them in the near future. 
And I think a lot of it has been about the uncertainty and what is the expectation for my life without any sort of sense of clarity for the future. So could you just impart maybe um, a mantra, a practice, maybe a couple of uh, skills that you use or maybe you teach some of your athletes that you just use on the daily to maybe kind of help you maybe either get through a funk or maybe get yourself on the right track early in the morning <laughs> or just something that can kind of help people fortify themselves mentally on a daily basis? Yeah, well, um, there's a lot there, but I'll yeah. try and simplify it. I think everybody customizes their own kind of mental toolbox, so to speak, and in what language and what words and what practices really resonate with them and they have buy-in over and ownership. But I think that, and I've actually started doing this as well, is starting the day with just some simple cleansing breaths, right? So um, something that I like is it's a ratio breath, but with counting where you include a hold. And so I call it the six breath sequence. And it really only takes like just under two minutes, but it's six breaths where you're expanding the diaphragm with each inhale, but you're inhaling through the nose for a count of four. You're holding that breath in your stomach for seven, and then you're exhaling through your mouth for eight. And after the first couple of breaths, you might notice it might take a little bit to sort of sink into the rhythm and the practice. But after you do, you add, I like to say this, you add this sense of clarity over your confusion, right? Because the yeah. part of your brain that's an overdrive or feeling that or producing that anxious state is um, this, you know, this fight or flight or freeze response, right? And so when we give ourselves this level of self-regulation, we end up giving ourselves some clarity over being able to choose our response to certain situations or stimuli, right? And, and that's this um, really great analogy of understanding that you know between stimulus and response there's a, a space and in that space is your opportunity to choose your response right so we tend to train people to respond rather than react by creating a pause in that space between stimulus and response and in that pause you employ your self-talk strategies or your mantra statements whether it's you know so what now what right or you know next play right mm -hmm. or control what i can Yes. You know, it's stuff I, like that. That one's mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's stuff uh, like that, you know. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I haven't uh, I haven't heard of that one. So I, I, I learned that one myself. And I just think it's important that I try and have a humility to the fact that I don't maybe understand always where my stresses and anxieties are coming from. But when they do arrive at my doorstep, I'm trying to think of ways and I'm trying to maybe help others figure out different small things like you just – you just imparted on us right now is something very easy that I think can maybe just maybe alleviate some things and bring it back into the center stream of people's day so they can be as, um, you know, as productive as they possibly can be. Um, Brian Alexander, mental coach. Um, please, you, you told me your full title uh, before the pod, and I don't want to get it wrong, and I want to give it its proper respect. So please uh, tell the good listeners uh, your full title, and if there are any um, socials or any other ways that you can maybe uh, let people know how they can either get in touch with your work or just kind of get involved with some more of the mental health game. Please uh, allow the audience to know what that is. Yeah, thanks, Joey. I appreciate this opportunity. Um, my title is Certified Mental Performance Consultant. And nice. we, we use the letters CMPC for short. But I just tell everybody I'm a mental coach. Uh, CMPC is through the Association for Applied Sports Psychology. 
which is the governing field of the field, uh, the governing body of the field of sports psychology. So CMPC. Um, but yeah, I have, you know, Instagram, it's at athlete mental skills coach. Um, I think you could find me on Twitter at BA pause mind, right? But you know, Instagram is usually the go to and then I have an app too for mental training. I don't know if you saw that, but um, I partnered with a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist who's also CMPC and it's called Well You Mental Training and it's on both app stores but it's like a systematic customized way for people to get some mental training when they can't um, seek one of my people like myself out or they don't have enough you know funds to support you know hiring somebody so we're trying to make it more available and accessible for people on the go oh that's a wonderful idea and i definitely think people uh not only should be seeking that out but probably also probably maybe need that a little bit more in their lives uh brian man thank you so much for taking the time being generous with your time man great to connect with you um thanks for coming on the pod man and maybe somewhere down the road you can come back and we can talk some more yeah i enjoyed it thanks joy Thank you so much, Brian. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was brought to you by BetOnline.ag and Balance 7 pH Supplement. Make sure you check out those both wonderful products because Balance 7 right now is giving you a fantastic deal. And BetOnline's got a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. Until the next one, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.